Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Tom Perry, who graduated from Puget Sound in the class of 1998. Tom is the founder of Engaged Pursuit, an organization that works with companies, professionals, and recent college graduates to offer career counseling, support building employee engagement, and ultimately, to create a more engaged workforce for all of us. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio right here in Tacoma. Here's Tom. Tom Perry, welcome to the Puget Sound podcast. Hi. It's good very to be happy. Here. Yeah, very happy to have you. I want to start out by asking you, how do you end up at Puget Sound? You know, for me, it was the only school that I applied to. Uh, it was one of probably four or five universities that I visited. And I knew really from the beginning when I landed on campus as I think a junior in high school, I just knew there was just something in my gut that told me this was where I was going to land. And everything just really lined up perfectly. Every visit I had just felt even better. And once I got that welcome student or, or welcome future student packet in the mail. I remember it was a Saturday morning. I was at my dad's veterinary clinic in Portland. My mom called me very excited that she got the big packet with the welcome future student and uh, the rest was history. And do you remember kind of what expectations you had for yourself? Did you have a sense going in of here's what I think I might major in or here's kind of the, the quote unquote college life I, I see for myself? You know, I didn't. Um, I really was looking for community. I was really looking for a fun, uh, interactive, and engaging experience more than anything. I had never moved growing up. I'd always uh, been in the same house, went to the same set of schools throughout my uh, growing up. And so this was a big move for me to uh, go into university. And so I was really looking for um more of that sense of um, community and help and sort of hand-holding during that experience. And I just felt like that was really a big part of the Puget Sound experience. They wanted you to be successful. They wanted you to be happy. Um, they wanted you tra to transition uh, well from a high school environment into a college environment. And I just, I really felt that. So I was one of those students who had no idea what I was going to be doing um, when I was growing up on one, one level, but uh, definitely wasn't sure what I was going to major in or, or, uh, uh, or uh, you know, be a part of once I became a Puget Sound student. And given that, what happened? How, how did you kind of get from that first day on campus feeling like I, I want to see what speaks to me to eventually declaring a major and getting involved and really building that community? You know, I, I did a couple things. Um, one is I really leaned on the people who were around me to build that community. So for me, it was within the AL dorm um, on the third floor uh, where I met a lot of my future friends. Um, those individuals really helped uh, to build my sense of community and to help me uh, just feel better about my college experience. I really also leaned a lot on my um, orientation group. So when I was part of the university, um, it was called Passages and Preludes. And uh, that group of individuals became a nice community for me to lean on and to talk to and just to have fun with as well. And then the, the, the professors and just the, the rest of the individuals within the school 
um, were also a source of inspiration um, and guidance for me as well. So I took a really broad approach to my class list for the first year or two where I wanted just to to see what was out there and what really stuck to me and what was really interesting to me. Um, and eventually I landed into um, the history department where I found a lot of inspiration, a lot of really great set of faculty and again, a community of students that I really clicked with and found that was my my people. And keeping with this theme of maybe what we expect and then find out in college is a little different than how we <laughs> visualize it in yeah. high school. Mm -hmm. Was history in college the the same as the way you had experienced history in high school or did you find it to be a different academic experience? It was, it was different for sure. Yeah, it was a less clinical, less sort of by the book, more human, more social history, which I, I really appreciated. The focus on the human experience was really interesting to me. The focus on the, um, the social aspect of history was very interesting to me. Um, I also just thought the, the, um, curriculum in regards to history was very interesting to me. So I was really focusing on American history. And so just, just the different classes and the offerings that were available as a student were just so interesting to me, whether it be, you know, civil war history or the um, civil rights history. It was those, those types of topics were just very interesting. And, and really we dove in and experienced that history really unlike I'd ever experienced before. And at any point as you were proceeding in your studies or kind of in your your life at Puget Sound, I think you may have actually become an orientation leader mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. um, at, at any point, did you kind of start to get an inkling of what you thought you wanted to do after you graduated? No, <laughs> I, I, really, <laughs> I really didn't. Um, I knew some things. Like I, I knew I wanted to be around people. I knew that I wanted to make a difference. I knew that I wanted to be uh, myself and and to um, live tr true to my values and to the things that I had learned throughout my Puget Sound experience. But when it came to actually finding something official, uh, I was way in the dark and actually it had a it brought a lot of anxiety for me and a lot of fear for me because I, you know, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And so what did you what did you do from that place? I mean, what was your kind of first move out of college? Well, um, I leaned on sort of what I knew I could um, focus on and where I could make some impact. So for me, again, it was all about the people. Um, it's always been a theme of mine to be working with individuals and to, again, sort of build that community. So I went back to that foundation and I started talking to people. So for me, it was through the alumni network. Um, at the time, it was called the um, Ask Network Um and this was a database basically where you could search for various alumni by location and by industry um, and ask for some help. And so I went in and, and did that. And I met a variety of different alumni and a variety of different majors and a variety of different Seattle-based um, company representation and just started talking. And that's really that really got me to understand you know, what was out there, first of all. Um, how to talk about my experience at Puget Sound, how to talk about what I wanted going into something new. 
and how to make sure that I was, you know, living my true self and living my values and, and finding something that was going to be a good fit for me and not just taking the, the first thing. So that, that's really what I did was to, to, again, leverage the resources that were available at Puget Sound, start talking to people. And then uh, I eventually found my, my first gig. And of course, one of the things that struck me when I was graduating from Puget Sound and kind of trying to figure out how to do all this for the first time myself is that it is one thing to say, well, just, you know, talk to people and think about what you're interested in and kind of let yourself follow those interests. Uh, and it is a kind of a whole other thing to be doing that when really you have to get a job mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and there, there's a, a deadline mm-hmm. on it. Um, so in that respect, where did you, where did you end up? What was your first job after college? You know, I landed in the nonprofit sector. So this was really exciting for me because again, it did align to my values and where I thought I could, um, really leverage some of the strengths that I had built. So my first gig was here in the Seattle area at the, um, United Way of King County. So the um, United Way here in Seattle is a wonderful, huge organization. The The broader King County metro area is one of the largest, if not the largest giving community here in the U.S. And so from a um, local perspective, it's a, it's a great place to be. I landed in a gig called the Loaned Executive Program. So this was basically a fundraising program where people from across the area um, could be hired directly from other organizations or be loaned out uh, to United Way as they are fundraising for their fall campaign. Um, And I was actually sponsored by U.S. Bank to, to be hired by United Way of King County as a fundraiser. So I was responsible for a portfolio of media and sort of local advertising agency companies. And I had a advertising and media um, fundraising number that I was trying to um, to hit and try to bring in funds for United Way. Um, and so it was really right up my alley. You know, I was able to, again, talk to people, um, represent a organization that really was close to me. I was able to learn a ton and be around other individuals who were at various points in their career. And it was just a really cool, fun experience for me. When you think about that now, sort of knowing where your career went after it, do you still pull out the same highlights of, oh, this is something I think was really beneficial to me that you you noticed as really liking when you were doing the job? Or do you feel like the things that really stuck out to you when you were in that first job now maybe are a little different than the things that you you would notice or pull out today? You know, I, I think they're actually pretty similar. I, I do continue to pull out uh, and talk about those experiences as my foundation. You know, so again, I, I look at those experiences and think about the foundation that I built in regards to talking to other individuals, whether it be my peers within the fundraising group or executives who were representing a particular media organization or a television network or an advertising agency. Uh, It also taught me a lot of the basics that I continue to leverage today. So confidence, um, being able to solve problems, to be quick on my feet, uh, to again, sort of represent myself in a a, um, dynamic and genuine way. Um, to to really um, represent something that's important to me, sort of to live to those values um, and to sort of always have a, a growth mindset and to, to always be learning as well. So 
I, I talk about those, those experiences, you know, as the foundation to who I am today. Well, and interestingly, when I hear you saying, you know, the things that matter to you in your life and your career are to communicate with people and to build relationships and to work in philanthropy and in nonprofit work, uh, this is a an unfair an unfair stereotype. But I don't immediately think Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So, how did those qualities and those interests take you from this work with United Way of King County? to the tech sector and, and ultimately to, to Microsoft? Well, actually, it was pretty similar. The, the group that I was moving into uh, within Microsoft was really new and exciting and community-oriented, and it was also building something from scratch. It leveraged a lot of the strengths that I did build within that early stage, that early development stage at United Way. So I was looking at that particular opportunity from not so much the company itself, um, but more like what I was actually, what I actually was doing. So from, if I look at that lens, that from that perspective, it was a great place for me to transition into, you know, it, it was able to leverage a lot of the stuff that I was doing and the things that I felt that I was good at. It also uh, was going to challenge me in new ways to do some new things and to focus on some new um, strengths that I was hoping to build as well. And then I'll, I'll be honest too, you know, just the Microsoft cachet and just working within the tech sector in the uh, early 2000s was also very appealing to me as well. So there was a little bit of of that, hey, I'm moving into something that's exciting. There's lots of stuff I'm familiar with, but then there's also some unknowns and the the Microsoft is is a is a great place to be. Well, and one thing I appreciate that you're highlighting even with that answer is that oftentimes what career development can look like, and this is another thing I didn't really realize until I had my first and then my second job after mm-hmm. college, but is that it can really look like the things that you cultivate for yourself mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily tied to your industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really contemporary way of thinking about career and thinking about professional development is as you're saying, what do I like? What are the skills that I have? Mm-hmm. And understanding that they can really go with you a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, a lot of the sort of mentorship infrastructures or kind of career seeking or counseling infrastructures are set up much more around this architecture of how do you proceed in your industry mm-hmm. and not how do you take yourself as a person out into the world? Yeah, I, I totally hear you there. And I do talk to a lot of clients now who think like that. And it's, 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 I get it you know, on one level, it makes sense to me, but I do think there is a little bit of miss there potentially. I, I, I like to look at, you know, your overall professional experience as that, you know, like you are building skills, you're working with the strengths that you have and interests that you have, you're building new stuff along the way. And it really is, you know, not to sound too cheesy, but it's, it is a toolkit that you're, you know, you have around your waist, you know, you want to have a variety of different tools, a variety of different things that you can choose from. And I think sometimes people who are too focused in on their industry or their specific title, or the sector that they're in, or even the region that they're in, if it's you know Puget Sound or New York or or whatever, um, I do think that that's a little bit limiting, you know. And so I, I I do appreciate and I'm grateful for the fact that I have always been sort of this experienced guy that I always try to look at my 
jobs as experiences and something to help to add to that toolkit overall. Of course, that does lead to some new experiences and some, you know, not perfect, uh, not perfect experiences, of course, but I think it makes for a more interesting career for sure. Well, and is that something that you noticed as you proceeded through your career and started thinking about, okay, how do I think about this for myself versus maybe what am I seeing around me that there was, was space for that kind of career counseling or that kind of professional guidance? Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw within my, um, the organizations that I worked with, and this was not just a tech thing. This, this also happened in other previous experiences, um, both nonprofit and, and other sectors, where I just saw a lot of autopilotness, I guess is maybe the, the phrase that I would use, where people do get into something, uh, whether it be an organization or a title or a group or a product, whatever, and they just they just kind of coast, you know, and that works for a ton of people. You know, it, it worked for me for a decade, you know, at a, at a place like Microsoft where I was just sort of on autopilot. I was performing well. I was doing some cool stuff. I was leveraging, you know, strengths and things like that. But what I found, Elena, is that a lot of times people have experiences where that goes off track and something happens, whether it be uh, a project goes off track or a manager relationship goes off track or their life goes off track or all three, you know, go off track at once. And that moment, that is the time where I think people really need some help and need some guidance and reassurance and just, just someone there during that experience. And that was the gap that I noticed was really existing and, and, and continues to exist within, I think, people's careers. And that's the area that I'm trying to address now is, as a coach, you know, what, what happens when those things happen to you? What happens when your, your performance all of a sudden isn't where it was? What happens if you get moved into a group where your manager and you just don't get along? What happens if you're laid off? You know, what happens if there's a pandemic? You know, things like that, I think, happen to all of us. And so getting back on track um, is important and it is going to happen. But I think there's, uh, there's, a, there's a need for some help. How do Theme Row, Ka Ohana, Meike Aloha's annual luau, and the roar of a chainsaw in Baker Stadium connect? Hi, I'm Mike Rodersman, Associate Director of Admission and a Puget Sound alum from the class of 1999. And all three of these things that I listed are Puget Sound traditions that date back to even before I was in school. To learn more about traditions and special events, head to pugetsound.edu slash stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. To that point, it seems like if there were ever a hard time, <laughs> be trying to think about what your path is and how you balance the need to have a job against the mm -hmm. need to be fulfilled in your professional life, mm -hmm. you know, 2020 and 2021 might be the the peak of that mountain. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> what, what are you noticing in your work? What's going on for people? You know, um, it's interesting. There, uh, there has been an evolution 
for sure. I would say uh, a year ago at this time, there was a lot of fear and a lot of unknowns. And what I notice uh, during those times, both as a coach who was sort of experiencing that, but also a professional who has been part of those similar kinds of experiences, maybe not obviously as, as intense as, as what we've all gone through, but, you know, during the reset, the latest recession, for example, that was sort of a similar unknown and sort of scary time. A lot of individuals just stayed put, you know, companies stayed put, individuals stayed put um, and just kept their head down, um, kept working with what they were doing, um, didn't really rock the boat and just sort of did their thing for a few months. And then what I noticed during the summer um, months was an evolution of people starting to feel a little bit more um, optimistic and things were starting to change and people started to get out there a little bit more, um, taking a little bit more risks um, in what they were doing, uh, trying to examine where they might find a little bit more fulfillment. Um, still cautious, of course. They, there weren't a ton of major moves that I've noticed with clients, but there was just a little bit more optimism and, and hey, should I explore this? And then I'd say as we moved into the fall, winter, and then transitioned into the new calendar year, I would say that that really has continued. So the desire to find something more fulfilling, the sort of light bulbs, I think, started to go off in the fall for a lot of folks who I work with. So they now know that the um, change and the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. And so now there's definitely excitement for finding that more fulfilling job for maybe trying something totally new um, to explore another product or a group or organization or to, for some clients to actually leave and say, hey, I'm done with this and this just is not working. I've, I've had it with this and I need to find something new. Are you finding that that's the case sort of, for lack of a better word, both on the supply side and the demand side, that individuals are looking for something new, but also that employers and institutions are, are similarly feeling like this is a time to look forward and to maybe be, to get creative? Yeah, I am. It's, it's different though. Like organizations I'm noticing are still cautious. They are still, um, um, dipping their toe in water of hiring more people. Um, where I'm seeing organizations shift is more in how they're operating and the culture that they are trying to become. That has really been the shift I've noticed. So a huge focus on diversity and inclusion, a huge focus on um, culture and how people work together, a huge focus in on technology and sort of optimizing how individuals are communicating and working together, um, whether they're at home or in a hybrid type of situation. So I'm definitely seeing companies trying to do a little bit of hiring, a little bit of new people additions, stuff like that, but really focused in on that culture piece, that DNI piece, the the how we work piece has been really interesting for me uh, to notice. Well, and in that context, I want to kind of break some of our conversation into two groups mm -hmm. because my experience, and you obviously have a lot more experience of this than I do. So I, I would welcome your, <laughs> your yay or nay on this mm -hmm. is that it's a, a really different experience to be trying to get your first job, mm. or maybe your first full-time job. If you're a recent graduate, mm -hmm. 
um, or you've been out of the workforce for a little while versus if you are, are job hunting from the position of having a job and looking for something new. Mm-hmm. For that first group of people, if you mm-hmm. are a recent graduate or you're trying to re-enter the workforce after some time away, what are your kind of tips, tricks, thoughts about about where those folks are would be best served by focusing? You know, I, I think um, a couple of, of recommendations that I would give. First of all, I, I think just acknowledging that that it is tough is, is really important, that this is a really weird time. This is a hard time. Um, this is not going to be something that for most individuals um, happens quickly. And so I think that mindset is is really important to go into to that new experience with. Um, and to go easy on yourself as you as you get out there and you try to find something, especially if you're a recent grad. Um, I think the um, effort really needs to be on you and defining what you want and where you're going and how you want to move into this first gig. Um, I, I think it's important that the individual, the student or the recent graduate really defines that clearly for others. So the other piece of advice I'd give to people is that creating that story, creating that um, almost like a sales pitch, um, that that really clear message of what you're all about, where you want to go, um, what types of stuff you want to be doing, why this, this role is a good fit for you. Really being clear about that, I think, is important. And even if it's not totally known or not totally perfect, that's okay. Like you, you want to articulate as best as you can um, who you are and where, where you want to go and what you want to be doing so that there's no guesswork uh, to the people you're talking to or the, the applications that you're submitting your resume to. You want things to be very clear to that audience so that there's no, no guessing at all. And then the, the third thing I would say is that the community, the people, the networking continues to be so, so, so important. So I know a lot of recent grads hear that a lot, you know, like you've got to network and make sure you get out there and talk to people. Um, and that to me is a lot easier said than done. Uh, and I can use my own experience as, as validation of that. I, a lot of times find that people just don't know what that means and, and they're just sort of shrugging their shoulders and trying their best. But I do think if you can really build for yourself a broad network of people that could include you know, your peers, the school uh, support system, your professors, your, your community where you are, your, you know, your family members community, like all of that, like think broad, think big about that network, and then use those people to help, you know, and, and be very deliberate again about reaching out to them. I know it's hard, but you got to, you know, do your best to ask them for a Zoom meeting or to help you with a particular position, um, as, as best as you can, like really put yourself out there to do that. That's how I found recent grads be successful. It's, it's, it's really leading that charge, really owning that experience and not leaving any questions unanswered, like really, really get out there and do it. This is, this is the time where you have to do that. You have to put yourself first. And that's where I find people get the most success when they do that. I'm so glad that you brought up networking and I want to pause on this for just a second I graduated from college in 2017, so obviously a very different moment than the one in which we now find ourselves, uh, but not that long ago. 
And I did absolutely get, as you say, that you got a network advice <laughs> and the have informational interviews. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were like, my brother's friend mm-hmm. works at this thing that your mom told me you might be interested in. And here's their email, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which totally. is great. Mm-hmm. I still feel honestly confused about what I'm supposed to talk to those people about. And for a long time, I remember feeling like, so I, this nice person has said, they'll talk to me and I set up a zoom or I meet them for coffee. And then do they offer me a job? Mm -hmm. Like how, how does this translate into, you know, not that it's all transactional, but what does this become for me? What's sort of my purpose in going into those individual interactions too, rather than just the network and aggregate? Yeah. And that, that's where I think you, as the person who's asking for help or asking for a conversation, you get to decide that, which I, which I think is really cool. Like that, that's, a, that's a big opportunity. Now, there is some work there that needs to be done. And I think that where I think a lot of people uh, I've found maybe miss a little bit or don't think about that as, as much. When you're networking, it's not just a you know, a one to everybody kind of approach. I, I do think there is some customization um, that does need to happen and some thought that does need to happen into individual conversations. The good news about that is that that actually isn't that hard, you know? So what I recommend individuals do is once they determine who they want to talk with, and again, I like more of a broad approach to start, sort of a wider net of people, then once you start to get some bites from individuals who say, yeah, I'll meet with you over Zoom or eventually I'll meet with you over coffee or if it is your brothers, cousins, sisters, you know, whatever. Um, once you find those individuals who are willing to talk, then I think the step that people miss is to actually spend some time and think, okay, who is this person? What do I want to get out of the 30 minutes? Um, what does that agenda look like? Um, what are some things I want to get out of that conversation? And then what sort of follow-up might exist, you know, afterwards? And not every conversation needs to be magical, you know, like you could have, and I'm sure lots of folks have had just sort of okay conversations or what I call the the dud conversations where, you know, you're just talking to somebody and you realize quickly, like, you know, this is, this is great. This is, this is good practice, but there's probably not going to be much for me to do after this. And that that's actually okay. So knowing that is really important. The great thing is, is that eventually you will find a connection. You will find somebody who does have an opportunity or does connect with you or does have a follow-up, you know, conversation for you to have. And that's when those leads become really great and meaningful um, but it is, it is a little bit messy. It is a little bit organic. Um, but again, you lead the charge. You lead the discussion. You lead what you think is going to be the the conversation talking points. And that's how I think you you really maximize that that networking topic as as best as possible. Well, and one thing too that I I think is um, implicit in some of what you're saying is that there is a difference in my experience between hustling for a paycheck and hustling for a career. Mm, yeah. And that the the way that your goals might be structured in those conversations or in putting a resume together in job hunting looks a little different if you're like, you know what, I got to have my 20 hours a week or my 40 hours a week and kind of get something locked in versus if you're a professional in a role or you're working a job and you're thinking, okay, how do I kind of develop those relationships in that network, maybe on a less immediate time frame? Mm-hmm. For folks, oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so for folks who are kind of in that second group, who are thinking, 
you know, I'm, I'm good right now. This isn't emergent for me, but I'm kind of ready to do something else. Or I'd like to leverage some of the resources I have to make sure I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? You know, I think, I think it's, uh, I like to look at this as always learning as always growing and always considering something different. So this, this might just be me being a little bit weird or again, sort of going back, going back to my, um, toolkit, uh, tool belt analogy, but I, I think it's really healthy to sort of always have that, that, um, mindset of, of growth and learning and working with people and, and talking to people, um, regardless of, of where you are in your career, especially if you are in a role and you're, um, wanting to grow and and learn. I, I think you do that by always talking to people and always, you know, finding out what the latest cool projects are or what the big company initiatives are. I think the, um, the problems exist when people get too complacent or they don't do that stuff enough. You know, they just sort of keep their, um, their status quo. And I, I think to grow and to maximize opportunities, even if you're in a smaller organization or the biggest companies like Microsoft, you know, there, there's stuff out there. And so always having that mindset of learning and growing and talking, I think is, is the way to, 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 to be successful. And what do you notice folks who are successful? Are there any commonalities? Are they all people who have great relationships with their bosses? Are mm. they all people who are sort of, um, you know, they get, who give an active yes all the time? What do you notice coming up for folks who have been able to do that really successfully? I think those two are important. I think the manager relationship is crucial. I think the um, the knowledge of how that relationship um is going and how it's you know evolving is is really important for everybody to to know. I think raising your hand and saying yes to stuff is also really wonderful and that that's that's important. Um, I also think though too that I found people who are really successful in their career know themselves really well. You know, I think that that's probably the the most foundational element that I can think of that exists across those hyper successful people. So they know what makes them tick. They know what sort of strengths they want to work with and, and, and leverage. They know their boundaries. They know their, um, their shorter, shortish term vision. They're not super, you know, 10 years out They're you know, five or so years out as far as what type of stuff they want to be doing. Um, they're also, you know, they're also human, which I also think is really interesting. They're, they're fun. They're, um, they're not super serious. Um, they bring their full selves to their experience. That was one thing I really noticed when I was sort of growing in my career the most successful people were the ones that I wanted to be around, you know, and they were not perfect. And they talked about their families and they had a couple beers after work and they talked about their stresses and, you know, where they were, um, you know, struggling like that human element, I think was, was really something I noticed early that, that I was just sort of amazed because I always thought that the super successful ones were like the perfect ones and they were always working and they were, you know, super buttoned up and perfect and, I, I certainly saw that to not be the case. So I think there's that the human element too that I, I found uh, super successful people have. So I, I tell my clients to like, hey, 
lighten up, you know, don't, don't be perfect. It's okay to not have all the answers as long as you're showing up authentically and you're living your best self professionally, like that, that's going to go a really long way. One thing that I notice a lot, and I work in my job predominantly with high school students who are going to college, mm. but interestingly, a lot of those folks are are thinking about college, not everybody, but many people are thinking about college as a means to an end. Mm. So even if I don't know the type of profession I want exactly, I have an idea of kind of what I look like when I go to work, right? Mm. Or the, the mm-hmm. general sector that I might want or the the rhythm I want my life to have. And I think what that sometimes does is it creates the sense that I have a lot of steps I have to take to get there, that there's a particular path that you're on it or you're not. Mm. And one of the things I'm hearing you say that I'm really liking, I want us to take a minute to think about, is this idea that there's opportunity everywhere. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not in your maybe forever job, that you can still be putting tools in your tool belt if you're looking around and thinking, what is there for me to pick up here? What opportunities can I take? What can I say yes to? And and how does this, you know, how can I have this serve me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think um, for the individuals who have that vision and that path and sort of that set um, agenda, if you will, for what they want to be doing, that's awesome. That That is fantastic. I think that um, I was certainly not, you know, not one of those uh, individuals who had uh, any of that. So I'm, I'm probably a little bit jealous of, of those individuals who have that vision. I think it's, it's great. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, success that can happen when you don't have that too. Um, and if you're on the path and you realize that this path isn't right for you either and you want to try something new, I think that's also really cool. So my whole philosophy with career now and this is something I've learned probably in the last couple of years is to be more curious than anything, you know, like don't feel weird. If all of a sudden you're not liking what you're doing. Um, don't feel weird. If you all of a sudden want to try something new, um, it is an opportunity to grow and to learn and to try something that maybe you wouldn't have done in the past. And that that's totally great. There's no real wrong paths here or experiences. Now I get the fact that there's obviously financial situations and not everybody has the luxury of being that sort of curious in, in their situation. That's definitely something that is from a place of privilege. But I think when you have those opportunities to be curious, that, that that's really where um, great careers can be, can be born. Well, and I think it's nice to know too, that that opportunities for that kind of curiosity can come up in your sort of ho-hum nine to five Mm -hmm. also, and not just in the mythical perfect internship that you may or may not have or have done in the past or be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. It can come anytime, you know, and inspiration can come anytime. I think, again, it's noticing that you're in a funk. It's noticing that if you're in a ho-hum nine to five, that all of a sudden things aren't working um, you can usually find opportunities to get out of that ho-hum or to get, to get out of that funk, whether that be, you know, doing some new type of work or doing extra stuff or raising your hand and saying yes to things that maybe you wouldn't have done in the past or looking for something new when that time is right for you. Um, it's just being aware and getting again out of that autopilot mode. That's where I really push people to try to, you know, understand that uh things things are 
potentially great when you when you kind of shake yourself out of that autopilot zone. Uh, there's there's other opportunities out there. Well, and that's actually a perfect segue because in the event that in the likely event that somebody listening to this thinks, oh, that kind of sounds like it might be me. And I think I could use some help to think about where I want to go or what I care about or, you know, even have a third party sort of reflect back to me. Here's what I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. you want. Can you help with that? Yeah, that's that's really my my specialty. It's a lot of self-reflection. It's a lot of um, togetherness where, where I like to work with clients and help them discover really who they are, what makes them tick professionally. A lot of um, professionals, I think, don't know that, uh, or they know some elements of that, but I have built a framework um, from my experiences to help to define elements that I think are most important uh, for professionals. So a lot of the work that I do is help individuals pull those those qualities and those values out and to actually articulate those things in a, in a meaningful way. And then there's lots of really interesting work, I think, around what that next thing could be, whether it be a, a different project or a different manager or a different team, or maybe it's just doing different stuff within your day job, sort of uncovering what those elements could be and what that plan could be. And then if it is something like a shift or something totally new or, or a new job or whatever, then I love to help people actually articulate their story, articulate their experiences. This is like the interview prep stuff uh, that I think is also really meaningful. So that's where I also love to partner with people to talk about and to practice, you know, what, what they're, uh, what they're talking about and, and how they're articulating their experiences and how they're showing up because now more than ever, you know, Zoom and video conferencing and and how we're communicating is really quite scary and new and um, you know it's not something that folks are used to and so getting some practice there and and feeling comfortable or as comfortable as possible uh, is is really great and then the the other thing is you know once success happens if there is a shift that is uh, that is taking place then you know how do you land in something new how do you um, accept an offer that is, you know, worthy of your experiences. What do those first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days look like within the organization? I also love to help to think about and coach folks on, on those experiences as well. How does somebody get a hold of you if they, if that sounds good? So a couple of ways. Um, first, my, uh, website is engagedpursuit.com. Um, and so check out, um, my, uh, individuals or my professional section there. Um, if you're a recent graduate, there's a graduate section as well within my website. I also have a podcast on um, Apple or Spotify, just search under engaged pursuit. I think it's two words. So um, engaged pursuit. And then my email is just my first name. So it's Tom, T-O-M at engagedpursuit.com. And we'll link the website in the show notes too. So if folks are listening and this sounds good, uh, you can scroll down and click through as well. Tom, we end every episode. I ask everybody the same four questions. (laughs) First question is, where is your favorite place on campus at Puget Sound? You know, um, for me, it was the basement of the Anderson Langdon dorm. Um, and I remember that, um, lounge fondly, we used to gather around the sort of flat screen ish. Maybe it was just, maybe it was a a large television at the time. 
uh, on Thursday nights watching ER. Um, so I'm dating myself here, but uh, I just, I love that community of coming together. I think we used to do popcorn and watch uh, George Clooney and the other doctors on ER every Thursday night. So that was a very um, special place for me on campus. What are you reading right now? You know, I'm reading President Obama's uh, A Promised Land. Uh, I am really digging um, that big, bold book. It's definitely not volume a- Volume one. <laughs> volume one, yes. So I think I'm on page 300 and something. Um, but I'm really enjoying, um, again, the history of his first several years within uh, the presidency was very interesting to me. I love the people that were associated with um, his his um, staff and, and just how he was thinking. Uh, it's very inspiring. So I'm looking forward to the latter 300 pages and uh, volume two hopefully coming out pretty soon. Where is the best place to eat in Tacoma? So I have two. Um, my favorite place to grab a sandwich was the MSM uh, Deli, yes, on 6th Avenue. So that was one of my favorites. Um, and now it is the cookie, the big cookie bar at the um, Metropolitan Market on Proctor. Two excellent choices. Thank you. Uh, and lastly, Tom, what makes Puget Sound special? You know, the uh, of course, it's the the community and the professors and all the... Um, people who are associated with with Puget Sound. I actually really think that Puget Sound is special because of its physical beauty. I, I just, every time I go to campus, um, and it's obviously evolved and changed a ton since I was there in the late 90s, but I just think it's just such a beautiful physical place. Every time I go there, I'm just in awe of the buildings and the grass and the flowers and the smells and I just think it's just such a beautiful campus. I Every time I come and make that turn off of Warner, I just kind of, it takes my breath away. Tom Perry, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound Podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound Podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast.